Why don't we uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we need your Holy Spirit to be with us tonight. I pray again that somehow, some way, that you could help us sense the times that we're living in. No more playing games at the foot of the cross. It's time, Lord, that we get serious about you. Help me to stay and help all of us to stay that way. Help us to be hungry and thirsty and want to grow in you and stay surrendered to you, committed to you. Help us to pledge our allegiance to you and you alone. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we read in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 2 that uh, the Holy Spirit is compared to a wind. I find that interesting. He's compared to oil. He's compared to fire. He's compared to wind. And uh, notice what it says here in Acts 2, verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Have you ever seen some violent winds? Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Man, that would have been a neat experience to be back there and actually you know, see all this happen, the wind, the tongues of fire, amazing. When the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in that upper room, the, K, the King James Version describes it as a rushing, mighty wind. And when we think of wind, we think of power, we think of those sailing ships, we think of windmills and wind turbines. Wind can generate electricity. Wind power produces no toxic emissions. Wind energy is the fastest growing source of electricity in the world. You know, in the weather world, they have a term that they use called rapid intensification. Have you ever heard of that term, rapid intensification? Do you happen to study the weather and things? Just wondered. It's interesting, isn't it? It usually takes at least a few days to a week for a tropical storm out there in the ocean to become a hurricane. But if conditions are just right, I understand, it can happen in just a few hours. According to the Hurricane Center in 2015, Hurricane Patricia, one of the strongest storms ever recorded, went through one of the fastest, most drastic, rapid intensification cycles. It went from a tropical storm to a Cat 5 hurricane in just 24 hours with maximum su sustained speeds, winds of 215 miles per hour. My friends, things are starting to intensify on planet Earth. And it's going to accelerate more and more as we enter into these final days that we call the last days. And when we see these things, uh, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Not only will the Spirit intensify among the believers, and I see people waking up to the Holy Spirit. I see it all over the country that people are getting these books, and they're studying, and they're getting together, and they're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in Matthew 24, he talks about signs. He talks about war and famine and pestilences and earthquakes. He says these are all, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, in the Greek, the word sorrows comes from the word odin, and it means birth pains, labor pains become more frequent and more intense as we get closer to the time of delivery, then that's what's going to happen in these last days. We're going to see the signs increase in frequency and intensity. That's what we're going to see in these times. I want to share with you some of the things that are happening in our world. I'm sure you're familiar with some. Maybe you're not. And I wish in a way that I could share with you what was happening in the political world and in the social world, the moral world, and all these things. But I'm going to show you what's happening in nature tonight and what man may be doing to the earth. Maybe it's a cycle. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But in Revelation 11 verse 18, the prophet says this, the nations, when will Jesus come? He's going to come at a time when the nations are angry. Yeah. 
When is Jesus going to come? He's going to come at a time, my friends, when we're, we have the power and capability of destroying this earth. And that's what it says in Revelation 11, verse 18. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged. We're living in that time, the time of the judgment. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great, and should do what? Destroy those who destroy the earth. I think it's possible, I don't know, but we may see an exchange of nuclear weapons before it's over with. We may see, we're, we're already, something's happening in our world. I don't care if you believe in climate change or not. You can't deny that things are happening in our world. So much is going on. Are we living in that time where, you know, we got the capability of destroying the world? When the nations are angry, you got the United States, you got the protests that are going out there. You've got, uh, it's protests are happening in Hong Kong, and they're happening in France, they're happening in China. The whole world is like a ticking time bomb. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, but they give out a report once a year. And uh, uh, this is not, this is an older statistic, I should have brought the other one, but it doesn't change much. You know, when I first started tracking this in the early 90s, the second hand of the doomsday clock was at like 20 till midnight because communism had failed even though we got these nuclear weapons the world was starting to be at peace we were working with russia and all these things but now it has slowly gone up to the two minutes to midnight. That doomsday clock, it represents the self-destruction of mankind. And this is not biblical people talking this. These are some of the greatest scientists in the world who have won the Nobel Prize. They're no dummies. Even the Scientists of the world can see something is happening. They said this, the probability of global catastrophe is very high and the actions needed to reduce the risk of disaster must be taken very soon. Scientists believe, this is 2018, scientists believe the world is as close as it has ever been to a so-called doomsday scenario. They say that we stand on the point of a second nuclear age. The global community may be at a point of no return. And it's time, my friends, for us to wake up. In Matthew 24, verse 22, Jesus warned us, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. You look at the world that we're in right now. If Jesus doesn't intercede, we would destroy ourselves, but he's not going to let that happen. He says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So men will not self-destruct, but it seems like we're very close to that. My friends, I'm not afraid of the second coming of Christ. I want to see my mom and hope maybe I see my dad at the second coming of Christ. I want to see my grandpa, one of the best, fantastic grandpas a person could have ever had. You want to see your loved ones. And someday we will reunite. Someday we will be with God in heaven. I want to talk just a little bit for a moment about what's happening in the world of nature. But none of this stuff scares me. And I hope it doesn't scare you. It shouldn't. I love what Psalms 46 has to say. If you haven't read it for a while, you might read it. But my God is my rock. He is my fortress. I don't need to take all these pills that everybody's taking today. He is my shield. He is my deliverer. I don't need a happy pill. I'm happy in the spirit of the living God. There will be signs, and I'm not saying that there isn't a time. Maybe you've gone through a real struggle or your chemical imbalance or whatever. But my friends, I know my God has given me peace.
There will be signs in, in our world, and he spells it out to us. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Now, we've always had famines. There's nothing new about that. But my friends, starvation in our world is at the greatest point that we've ever seen. And notice what the United Nations had to say, or this was reported by the, yeah, the first part is reported by the United Nations. It says 21.9 billion is needed in 2019 has average length of humanitarian crisis climbs and this was taken from the bbc a few years ago the world is facing its largest humanitarian crisis since 1945 the united nations says issuing a plea for help to avoid a catastrophe you know how many children die every day from starvation or Food-related causes, malnutrition. According to World Vision, is it their headquarters right up here by Seattle? Federal Way. 16,000 children under the age of five die every day from hunger. Can you imagine? Can you wrap your mind around that? That's like 16,000 children under five in 180 school buses crashing every day and killing everybody on board. And we don't even think a thing about it. You know, I saw that Las Vegas puts out a $5,000 hamburger you can eat. There's something upside down in our world, especially in the United States of America. What is happening? What causes famine? Droughts. We've had plenty of droughts, maybe not this year. We've been really soaked with rain. But scientists tell us this. This was from the magazine Esquire just a year ago. Uh, will there be, they ask, or where will you be for the aqua apocalypse? A study by researchers at NASA reported that 21 of the planet's largest 37 aquifers are on the verge of collapse. You know, I think of all these rivers they're tapping into to irrigate down in Arizona, New Mexico, and the Colorado River. Things are coming to a crisis point. This is from the New York Times just a few days ago or a month ago. It says, a United Nations report warns that climate change and global warming are threatening the world's food supply. A half a billion people already live in places turning into desert. And soil is being lost between 10 and 100 times faster than it's forming, according to the report, according to the United Nations. Jesus said not only would there be famines, but there will be pestilences. You know, I can remember as a kid, you never heard of flesh-eating disease and uh, uh, red tide algae. And, uh, you know, it was, what do you, where do you want to swim today? I think I'll swim over there with the sharks. I think I'll swim over there in the red tide algae. Oh, I think I'll, I'll go over here where they got the flesh-eating disease. We live in a crazy world. And this is just a small list of the diseases. And according to CBS News, superbugs are a ticking time bomb. Some scientists believe that these new viruses and bacteria may be the single greatest threat in our world today. Do you remember the BP uh, disaster that we had just a few years ago down there in their Gulf of Mexico. Well, I wondered what in the world happened. They don't say much about it, but a report came out in 2017. It was a report from the Environmental Defense Fund. They said science reveals that impacts of the spill are ongoing and significant. We have seen the longest unusual mortality event recorded in the area among birds, dolphins, and many types of marine life. <coughs> 14,000 dolphins have been found dead and 1 million birds. That was back uh, a few years ago when they reported that. I don't know if you realize this, but we have 405 dead zones in the ocean. Did you know our oceans are dying? You go over to the Great Reef uh, Coral Reef, and uh, they say two-thirds of it is dead. Something's happening, guys. 
They're finding mass animal deaths all over the world. Right here in the Gulf of Mexico, we have the second largest dead zone in the oceans. Here is a dead zone the size of the state of New Jersey, and nothing lives in the dead zone. Well, why is that? All these fertilizers and pesticides and chemicals come down the Mississippi River and it drains the oxygen out of the water. Something is going on. Like I said, two-thirds of the reefs are now dead, according to the New York Times. This is from USA Today, not the National Enquirer. They said this, since 1970, we've lost 52% of the Earth's bird, mammal, fish, reptile, and amphibian populations. 39% for land-based species have disappeared. 39% for marine species. 76% for freshwater species. Soon, it said in USA Today, that all of Hong Kong's dolphins will be dead. Amazing. Here is what our oceans look like. This, my friends, is over in uh, Indonesia. Boy, I would love to go snorkeling there, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Do you Have you ever heard of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? They have several of them. That one's supposed to be about the size of Texas, just plastic and stuff floating in the oceans. Incredible, isn't it? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 51 verse 6 that the earth will wear out like a garment. And my friends, these mass animal deaths, uh, I don't know, just would you go home tonight and just Google that? You would be shocked how many animals are dying. Whales and dolphins, starfish. Well, you had that problem up here in Seattle, didn't you? The starfish were disappearing. And they didn't really know why at the time. And there's the honeybees. They're disappearing. There's the monarch butterflies. Scientists say that about 80% of the monarch butterflies have disappeared. And then you've got these birds that are dying. They don't know why. It, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. Bats. The white nose syndrome. I used to be in a caving club in Missouri back when I was a young guy. And I got to go in all these private caves on private land. And we would test the water and soil and stuff, the scientists that were with us. But my friends, you can't go in those caves today. It's a $10,000 fine because they don't know why all these gray bats are dying. And you know what? There's a, there's a lot of information on this if you surf the internet. Why is this happening? And most of the people don't even pay attention to these things. The Bible tells us that as we drift away from God's law, have we, as we drift away from God's holy word, that in the, la in the earlier days of the prophets, the animals died as a result of that. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. The prophet Zephaniah said the same thing. He says, I will consume man and beast. I will consume birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea. Here we see the opposite order of the way that life was created on planet earth. My friends, we know in Revelation, under the seventh plague, and of course we're not, uh, not under the seventh plague, but under the seven last plagues, I think it's the third one, every living creature in the ocean is going to die. That's hard to imagine. But uh, we're already seeing signs of maybe something like that warming up even now. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Oh, Keith, come on. We've always had earthquakes, but not in the frequency and intensity on the scale and magnitude we're seeing today. Here is a chart from the United States uh, Geological Survey. They show the last century in 10-year 
increments. And you can see how they recorded the earthquakes in 1900 for the first 10 years. It goes up, up. It went down a little bit in the 1940s, but boy, did it take a leap in the 50s, and that trend is still continuing. And my friends, something is happening on planet Earth, and we need to open up our eyes. God is trying to tell us. When I was a kid, you never heard of mass murders. But today, I mean, you didn't hear of people going into uh, post offices and malls and schools and shooting each other up. But going back to the natural disasters, here is uh, the number of recorded natural disaster events of all natural disasters, earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes. This is what it was like in 1900, and you can see the chart as we go towards this century and beyond. I think Jesus is trying to speak to us today. It says, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, in famines and pestilences. That means disease. It's not talking about your brother or sister being a pest. <laughs> famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and signs from heaven. You know, it's interesting. The Bible tells us that the stars of heaven will fall. Well, yeah, but that was back in 1833. My friends, if you read the book of Joel, it tells about the stars falling and withdrawing their shining. That did not happen in 1833. Now, I believe in the 1833 event, but I'm telling you that these prophecies, some of them in Matthew 24, are going to have a double fulfillment. And in the Gospels, they're going to have a double fulfillment. I remember in 2013, that meteor that went through Russia, it exploded with the force of 30 Hiroshima bombs. It was a good thing it didn't hit the ground. In fact, a thousand people were hurt by shattered glass and so on. When I looked at the American Meteor Society, they record all these fireballs, they call them, or meteors. It's interesting that in 2007, we only had 568 fireballs recorded you can see how it keeps on going up and up and the last one that i put down but you can they seem to still go up in 2017 there was 5443 fireballs recorded our president uh, at the time I was listening to the State of the Union address on television. Uh, I like to keep up with the news and stuff. I thought it interesting that President Obama said this. He says, the fact is, and this has been several years ago, of course, the fact is the 12 hottest years on record have all come in the last 15. Heat waves, droughts, wildfires, all are now more frequent and intense and i'm telling you that this rapid intensification is going to escalate and it's going to take the seventh day adventist church by an overwhelming surprise when it comes in luke chapter 21 verse 25 it says and there will be signs on the earth distress of nations are we seeing distress of nations today with perplexity can we solve the problem of increasing crime in our money situation? Yet a read Testimonies Volume 9. It says that we are not able to solve these problems in Testimonies Volume 9. It says the sea and waves roaring. Not only will that be true, I believe, in the natural world, but I think that will be true spiritually. Sea in Bible prophecy represents what? They're going to be roaring. You can see the tensions in society. The U.S. shatters record after record when it comes to floods and hurricanes. And not just in the United States, but all over the world. According to the statistics, 2017 was the most expensive year for natural disasters in American history. I wish in a way that we could have the sound, but we don't. This was a Fox clip, and they were talking about the Sunday law that the Pope was uh, trying to share in one of his encyclical letters. Because of climate change, because of the environment, we ought to take a day off and give nature a rest. We ought to make it so it's a family day. And these Fox News commentators are saying, yes, 
Man, that's a great idea! All the things that we've ever been talking about in great controversy, anything that we've been reading in the Bible, friends, it's happening just slowly enough and yet fast enough and slow enough that we don't... Hey, they got the sound. Let's back it up. You did a good job, my friend. I'm going to raise you pay. <laughs> okay, let's try it again from the beginning. All right. Relationships and your friends and your family and obviously praising the Lord. And he says, you know what? Working on Sunday is true freedom. It basically says, you know what? All of this hard work that people are doing on the weekends on Sundays is having a negative impact on their lives. It's so easy to let just work seep in. I mean, if you... If you're home on the weekend and you have, you know, job Monday through Friday, and you just, oh, I'm just going to get some work done. I'm going to go down to my office, do some work, and we get this done. Then you don't realize then what it's taking away from that day of rest, that day of family, and that hour, that two hours, just starts to snowball. And I think he has a great point. Yes, yeah, well, does. I mean, Ju Judaism takes this very seriously. Orthodox Jews do not mess around, and I admire this so much about the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And again and again, you see this in the Old and New Testament. Keep the Sabbath holy. Don't work. It's, it's almost like people, it's baked in, have always had this temptation to let work crowd out all the other things that matter. Family, faith. And they have to be told again and again, knock it off, don't work. It's interesting. You think people yeah. are lazy, but they work too much. And it's so cool when you see businesses like Chick-fil-A on this fried chicken national holiday of today, uh, that they are not open on Sundays. And a lot of people give them business on the other six days of the week because they believe in that policy as well. When you're driving around, I don't know how much of that you were able to hear, but you caught the drift of it. You know, they're already talking about it on the news, and Adventists, strangely, they're kind of quiet about things. It's going to take us by surprise. It took the world by surprise in the days of Noah, and it's going to take us by surprise today, just like it was in the days of Noah. Now, when things get trust, tr uh, crazy, we need to trust in the Lord. He's going to bring us through, just like he brought Moses and the Israelites through the Red Sea, like he brought Daniel through in the lion's den and so on. The Bible makes it clear in Luke 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, give up. No, it doesn't say give up. It says look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Rapid intensification. We read in the book of Romans chapter 9 verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. While things are intensifying in the natural world, they'll be intensifying in the spiritual world. The true and the counterfeit parts of it. Notice what she says in Testimonies, Volume 9, page 12. The calamities by land and sea. The unsettled state of society, the alarms of war are portentous. They forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude, rapid intensification. She says the agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. The beast power, new world order, whatever you want to call it. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will go slowly. The final movements will be rapid ones. Evidences are multiplying on every hand that the plan of salvation is about to close. Great power, the Holy Spirit, is to attend in its closing work. While the work of salvation is closing, trouble will be coming on the earth and the, quoting Revelation 11, the nations will be angry. Yet held in check, so has not to prevent the work of the third angel. At that time, the what rain? This is the time for the latter rain. Man, when you came down and made those commitments last night and this morning, I pray that every morning you'll wake up and the first thing out of your mouth is, Lord, baptize me with your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Give me that latter rain power. Show me what you want me to do today. Open my eyes. Bring people to me and help me to share the gospel.
And so the latter rain or the refreshing from the presence of the Lord will come to give power to the loud voice of the third angel. Rapid intensification. We see it, that principle in the Bible. Think about the story of Nehemiah and the temple and portions of the city had been rebuilt, but the walls of the city were largely in ruins. The work had been dragging on and on for 13 years. But Nehemiah came and it was finished in just 52 days. Rapid intensification. I think of the disciples. You remember that, don't you? They had fished all night long, didn't catch anything. These were professional fishermen. But Jesus comes and he says, hey, put those nets on the other side. In a very, very short time, they brought up those nets and two boats. The nets were so full of fish that those boats began to sink. Rapid intensification. See, I look at the disciples as doing it on their own power. We're fishing for souls. They were fishing for fish. But my friends, they didn't catch a thing. But under the presence of the Holy Spirit, under the presence of Jesus Christ, Amen. it happened very quickly. Amen. And it's going to happen very quickly in the last days. Rapid intensification. The Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The days are coming. I'm, I, Ellen White says it's going to happen quickly. Roman says it's going to happen quickly. The ancient prophets say it's going to happen quickly. Notice what Amos says in not, uh, Amos 9, 13. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. Man, there's so much reaping going on, even the plowman gets involved. And the planter by the one trading spreading the grapes greater need of reaping than, i mean than ever before servants of god with their faces lighted up shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven by thousands of voices all over the earth the warning will be given Thousands in the 11th hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to truth will be made with a rapidity that will surprise the who? The church. And God's name alone will be glorified. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. My friends, a mighty rushing wind is coming. Are you going to be, am I going to be a part of that? Rapid intensification. I want to be a part of it. Let's go over the simple principles on how to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, man takes, takes the simple, which is really pretty complex, but we love to make it complex. Jesus takes the complex when he was here on planet Earth and he makes it simple. Amen. That's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be making it as just as simple as possible. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? We need to first confess our sins. And uh, like we said, you know, you may think you're pretty good, but pretty good is not enough. My friends, only by the righteousness of Christ, imputed, imparted, are we going to be saved. It all comes to Jesus. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. All your anger, all your hate, all your bitterness. Now, I heard a good story today. It was an unbelievable story. One of your brothers here at the church told me about it. These two brothers were arguing, and it got heated. In fact, it elevated. It became intense. It became very hot. And one of the church members pulled out a gun and shot the other member. You know why? They were arguing about forgiveness. <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> Never mind. That went flat. <laughs> and so anyway, you know, if there was a time to get off tv some people are tv addicts some people are social media addicts whatever it is we need to spend more time with jesus seek first 
the kingdom of God. Second is repentance. You know, we need to repent and every day turn away from our sins. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So confess, repent, and we've talked about this over and over, ask. And when you ask, believe. Believe that you have received, but I don't feel any different. Doesn't matter. God has promised it. Believe it by what? Faith. You take it by faith. And we have not because we ask not. And so if we know how to give good gifts to our children, he, he definitely wants to give us this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've got to believe in John or in Galatians 13. It tells us very simply. It says here, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that we, now here's the key, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I believe he's forgiven me and accepted me as his son and daughter by faith. Now I've got to believe that when I ask for the Holy Spirit that I have received and I thank him that he has given me the Holy Spirit. I believe it by faith, and I live in the presence of the Lord. I believe God. I no longer, I, I, I don't want to live. I want self to die. I live in Jesus Christ, and I'm connected to him, and I walk throughout the day. You know, I remember, you know, have you heard me talk about the hot-tempered junk? <laughs> I almost uh, stabbed my boss at one of the butcher plants I was at one day because he was lazy, and everybody was, thought he was a creep. <laughs> Anyway, I was uh, uh, the party animal. Hey, I want to get out of here earlier than 6 o'clock tonight. Step it up, Larry, the, the boss of this locker plant. Anyway, he was always goofing off, wasting time. And finally, I, I don't know what happened, but I got all shook up about something. I almost pulled out my knife. I was thinking about stabbing this guy. And then I put it back. Everybody there just came silent. And then all of a sudden, I was, you know, boning some uh, ribs on the meat block. And he, he turns off the saw. He says, come with me. So we go to the office. He says, you know, why are you getting mad for and all this stuff? I, and then I thought, well, I'm going to lose my job anyway, so I'll just let him have it. <laughs> I says, because you're the laziest guy. I just went off on him. And I guess he must have thought it was true because he didn't fire me. He says, okay, let's go back to work. Amazing. The reason I tell that story is because I was a manager of a meat locker plant uh, before I became an Adventist, and I got really, you know, on fire for God. And every moment I took as I was cutting meat and talking to the meat wrappers and the boners and all the different people doing their jobs, I was witnessing about God. But the boss there, the owner of the plant, says, you got to have to stop talking about God in the workplace. What did I do? I says, no, I'm not going to do it. In fact, I took off my apron, I took off my helmet, and I walked out the door. I walked off the job. And then I needed work. And so anyway, uh, I think Sheets heard somehow, this is the place I used to work at where I almost stabbed the boss before. One, one good thing about my character, I was known throughout the country to be a hard worker. And so anyway, Larry Sheets, he calls me up on the phone and he says, we need a helper. We, we're lacking help. Can you work for us for a while? I says, sure. So I go down there and he bugged me like crazy, but I was praying for the Holy Spirit. I was praying, Christ, uh, may you live in my heart. May I act like you and not like me. And uh, at the end of the week, he says, what has happened to you? I says, what are you talking about? He says, you used to get so mad in this and that and the other. And anyway, I got the chance to say, Jesus is what happened to me. And, you know, his eyes were listening to me. His whole attention was there. My friends, God changes people. He changes us. You got to believe and you got to be in contact with the prayer. And now you can be disconnected one moment and be connected the other. I mean, I want to tell you a good story, and I could have lost my temper. Now, I was just converted. I was brand new in the faith, 
and I was remember I was a call porter and I was knocking on doors in Leavenworth, Kansas. I open this one door opens up and it's a black man, maybe 70 some years old. I'm sure he saw a lot of prejudice and stuff in his life, but he let me in the home. And anyway, I started to give my canvas and every time I asked him, don't you think the world is, you know, going to pot or whatever? And everything I asked him, he says, nah, you just hear more of it because of the news. And he was very negative through the canvas and everything I asked him or uh, about the books do you want these you know uh these beautiful books no do you want a free bible study in the mail no and there was nothing else i could do i said sir i try to present this as a a good uh i try to present this as a christian service and before i go i would just like to say a little word of prayer if that's okay he says sure he says you did your good boy scout deed for the day and man, for a minute, I could feel the fire. <laughs> and I was thinking about pulling out my 357 tongue and blowing him out of his chair. But then, you know, God got a hold of me and says, don't do it. And so I just bowed my head. I says, let's have a prayer. And I don't remember what I prayed. I just prayed from my heart. When I got up, I shook his hand. And I gave him a steps to Christ. I says, you have a good day, sir. I went home and ate lunch. I came back and I was knocking across the street on a different door and he comes out of his door. He says, hey, you. I look over there and I thought, oh no. <laughs> Did he call the police or something? Is he making life bad on me? So he says, come over here. And his voice, there was something in his voice that had changed. And I walked over there and I got close and there was almost tears standing in his eyes. And he says, I am so sorry about the way I treated you. He says, I called my sister clear across Leavenworth and said, if you see a call porter or see a book salesman coming by your house, please give him $5 for that little book he gave me. And anyway, he tried to give me the five dollars I says no you keep it and then we, we went back and forth uh, like that he won that argument too I took the five dollars <laughs> he says man no matter how people treat you always do what you did he says man that you know I'm so sorry you know Ellen White says somewhere and I don't know where it's at the way and when the call porter when he leaves those impressions in the home it has a factor and them deciding for Jesus or not now if I would have acted like Keith Knoll instead of acting like Christ it would have been a horrible thing. I would have never seen that beautiful response. And so uh, I just thank God for that. In Mark, it says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it might be yours. No, it says it will be yours. This is God talking, and he doesn't lie. It says in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, if we believe it, that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Is it the will of God for you and me to have the Holy Spirit? then we need to believe it. We need to believe it whether we have any feelings or not. And we need to keep asking for the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. The Bible says, be filled. Now, if you look that word up in the Greek, filled, there in that verse, it means continually, day by day, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I was talking to uh, uh, one of these brothers here, at, I don't know, sometime today or yesterday. You know, we're all getting older. I showed you on the screen what I looked like when I was 23 years old. I look at the mirror today and I think, wow, what a drag. <laughs> and anyway, you know, this this. This body is going to wear out someday. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Pretty soon I'll be sagging all over and sagging a little bit right now. But anyway, uh, that is going to decay, this body. But something that doesn't have to decay is the inner man, the spiritual man. It can be renewed day by day, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And so Galatians says... 
that we walk by the Spirit. We are always consciously thinking, praying that God will help us to keep connected. Lord, what would you have me to do? And you stay with him. And we just need to really be in the Bible. It gets that simple. We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. And we need to share our faith. My friends, God lets us share. He doesn't need me to share the faith. He doesn't need Brother uh, Nehemiah or Brother John, Pastor John, to share the faith. My friends, when we share the faith, it does us more good than anybody else. When you teach a Sabbath school, who gets more out of that? Probably the teacher, because he has to do a lot of research. Who gets more out of a sermon when they put it together? It should be the preacher. He should get more out of it than anybody else. We need to be hungry and thirsty for God. Dwight L. Moody said this, it is, unnecess it is necessary for us to constantly remain under the fountain in order to be full. We don't want to become leaky. Are you thirsty for God tonight? Are you thirsty for the Word of God? Are you? I tell you, just how thirsty are you? I remember going down these beautiful national scenic rivers in Missouri. It was the first time in a canoeing trip, and I had never gone on a canoeing trip like this before. The water there is crystal clear. You can see fish swimming around. You can see water, twenty the bottom, 20 feet down. It is beautiful. National Scenic Rivers, the Jack Forks River in Eminence, Missouri. My wife and my daughter, you know, I thought, well, we probably ought to drink, uh, bring something to drink. It's going to be a long, hot day, but it's probably not that far down the river where we get out. We got in that river. It was a 95-degree day. It was hot, and then we had drank up our water in no time flat. We each had a container, and we got so thirsty and thirsty and thirsty, we kept on hoping that we'd be getting out soon so we can drink some water. And we got so thirsty, that we looked at the cooler, and there was the ice had melted, and there was pieces of paper and junk floating around. We got so thirsty that we drank that stinking water in the cooler. <laughs> I tell you what, have you ever been thirsty? I used to pick up hay when I was a kid in a hay field. And it was one of those hot days again in the summertime in Kansas. And this old farmer had one thermos jug and he uh, spit tobacco. He chewed tobacco. And you open up the lid and there was these uh, tobacco leaves floating around. And that was the only thing we could drink. I resisted and resisted, but pretty soon I was so so thirsty, I went on ahead and drunk out of that thermos jug. My friends, how thirsty are you? I mentioned the other day that our friends uh, in the Bible had their friend that was a paralytic, and they were trying to get to Jesus. They climbed up on that house. They were so thirsty, so hungry for Jesus, that they actually ripped the roof off of the house to get to Jesus. And he didn't rebuke them for it. My friends, the Bible invites us to come boldly before the throne of grace. If you want the Holy Spirit, then we need to be wrestling with God like Jacob wrestled with the angel. I will not let you go until you bless me. How thirsty are we really? Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. I want that living water, not just a thimbleful, not just a cup. I want to be filled up until I'm overflowing. We come to the Holy Spirit. He's represented as the water. But what is the church sometimes doing? What is the world doing? My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Me drinking and drugging, you the same, only you was a lot worse sinner than I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going, thinking these things will make us happy, and they kind of do. But I got so happy, I was sick of it. I wanted to leave it. Yes, praise God. You know, you become so, you do some stupid things when you're under the influence, don't you? I was having blackouts and everything else, you know, wouldn't remember what I did the next day. My friends would laugh. Did you know what you did last night? 
I remember being at the Tropicana Club. This was just a little bit before I finally said, I've had enough. I'm giving it over to Jesus because I had been studying the Bible and being pulled both ways. And anyway, I was, I was, it was about 11 o'clock and I had my head on the table. I was half passed out. My friend Ray comes up to me. And he says, hey, Keith, I want to introduce you to a friend. He had picked up some girl and uh, I looked up. He says, Cindy, this is Keith. And Keith, this is Cindy. I looked at that girl. I says, you're the ugliest looking girl I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and anyway, she, everybody was laughing. You know, they were drunk, high. And so anyway, she picked up a drink. She was about ready to throw it at me. I got off my chair. I says, you do, and you're dead. She turned around and started walking away crying. The next day, I woke up. I was felt lower than a snake belly and God was saying in my mind so heavily Keith you got to stop doing this you're destroying yourself you're destroying others you got to quit it finally took three months God I went out one night saw this old girlfriend that I was engaged to at one time but chased her into a laundry mat did some donuts around town went home went to bed at midnight and man, I couldn't get to sleep. The whole night I didn't sleep. The next night, maybe I slept an hour. And that's the way it was for three whole months. I couldn't sleep. It was like God was saying to me, you got to make a decision, Keith. And I felt inside if I kept up this stuff, I'd either end up in prison because I'd get crazy or I was going to die an early death. And so that's what I felt. And this went on for three months. I would buy a half a pint of whiskey thinking that maybe that would put me to sleep. I had an old girlfriend that was into drugs. She gave me a bunch of Valiums. I would take those. I'd sleep maybe for two or three hours. It was driving me nuts. Finally, and you shouldn't make deals like this with God. Uh, I, one night, I just felt like I was losing it. I says, Lord, if you give me my sleep back, I'll follow you. And now, that's not the right way to deal with God. God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. But God took me where I was at and blessed me anyway. That night, I got six hours of sleep, and I was able to, you know, have some normalcy in my life. Went up to my friends. I says, I'm not going to be smoking pot anymore. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to quit drinking because it's a drug. I says, you're right. I'm not doing any of that anymore. Amen. God has changed me so much, but he's still changing me. And I praise his name for that. In the book of Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The Spirit is inviting us to do that day by day. Steps to Christ. Get that book back out and read it. It's a beautiful book. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your, squeeze it in somewhere along the way. Morning, make, in the morning, make this your very first work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me. Let all my work be wrought in thee. She says in Steps to Christ, how often should we do this? This is a daily matter. She says this over and over and over again in her writings. To follow Jesus, she says, requires wholehearted conversion at the start and a repetition of this conversion every day. You wonder why you don't have any Holy Spirit. you got to be spending time. you got to be totally committed, totally sold out, totally surrendered to Jesus. You know, the story is told about the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody. He had preached a great sermon in Chicago. He was coming out the door, or he, and he was shaking people's hands. And this mother with a little child came up, and she wanted her little boy to shake hands with the great evangelist, Dwight L. Moody. Shake hands with Dwight, uh, this evangelist. And the little boy wouldn't do it. Please, shake hands with a uh, pastor. No, the little boy wouldn't do it. And he had his hands all closed up his, like a fist, and he would not shake Dwight L. Moody's hands. Finally, the mother 
took the fingers and opened up the hands, and he, he had several marbles in his hand. He thought that Dwight L. Moody was going to take some of his marbles. Are you afraid that God is going to take some of your marbles? What are your marbles today? What are the marbles that you are holding on to? Do you trust God enough to follow his will in everything in your life? I want to be that way. I don't know. Through God's grace, I will be and am. Moment by moment. And if I do slip, thank God he forgives 70 times 7. What does 1 John chapter 5, 14 means? It means our prayers according to God's will are answered in the same moment that we bring them to God. Give me the Holy Spirit. Believe it by faith. Receive it by faith. Thank God that he has given it to you and then act upon it. But emotionally, we usually don't notice anything. When we ask for the Holy Spirit, our prayers are answered by faith, not by feelings. That's what the evangelicals do. They, everything's a feeling, it seems. The feelings will come later on. You ask for all of him, and he asks for all of you. And so, God, help us to trust you. Help us to die to self. Help us to bear the cross and follow Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, verse 5, it says, Hope does not put us to shame. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, we talked about God's love. Nothing's more important than that. And our message won't mean beans. It will never really catch fire in the world until they can see the agape love in Keith Knoll, the agape love in Pastor Nehemiah, the agape love in each and every one of us, Pastor John. My friends, we've got to have that agape love, and it's huge. Yes. I stop and think about the Amish. Do you remember that? The milkman that came into that Amish community, I think it was 2005, I don't remember the year, it was several years ago, and anyway, he went into the schoolhouse of the Amish, and he shot all the girls up, chased the teachers and boys out and shot five or killed five of the girls, and then he killed himself. You know what the Amish did? Just a few hours after that incident, they went to the widow of that killer of their children and gave her comfort and sympathy. <laughs> when the funeral came for that killer, the only ones that showed up for the funeral was the widow, the children, and the Amish. And when millions of dollars came in to help the Amish rebuild the school, because who wants to send their kids back to that building again? So they built a new school. They had millions and millions of dollars come in, and they set up a fund for all the parents for the rebuilding of the school. And they gave an even portion to the widow of that husband that had killed the kids. They even made a movie about it. I tell you what, that's God. They might not have the Sabbath, but they had something that I, most people don't have. And I want that something. That's what I want. I want God's love to be poured out in my heart. And it's done by the Holy Ghost, it says in Romans. I pray that out of the, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Paul is praying not just for the Ephesians, he's praying for all saints. And I pray that you be being rooted and established in, what's that next word? Love may have power, like those Amish people, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of God. And to know this love that surpasseth knowledge, that you may be Filled to the measure of how much? Of all the fullness of God. Amen. Whoa, whoa. You know, I, I see the Spirit working 
sometimes. I was here at Sunset Lake a number of years ago, maybe 2007, 2008, I don't remember the year, and we were having ministers' meetings, and at the end of the meetings, or towards the end of the meetings, there was these girls that came in. They were cleaning up the camp, getting ready to go back to school and doing the uh, finish uh, of the touches that needed to be done. This one 17-year-old girl, she had come to camp. She talked about her experience, how it was changing children's lives making a difference in, in these children. She had one child that was testing her all week long, pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope. She had to be kind and, but firm, that delicate balance. And then uh, Friday was coming, and soon the parents would come and take this child back home, and she said, praise God, inside of her head. But the little boy came up to her at the end of that week and says, I want to thank you. I know that I haven't behaved real nice and you've been so nice to me every time. I just want to thank you. I want to stay here. I don't even want to go home, this little boy says. Oh, and, and, but he, he was serious. He says, well, you got to go home, the 17-year-old said. You got to go home. No, I don't want to go home. And he had tears coming in his eyes. Why? What's happening? All kinds of abuse that you can think of was happening in the home. They had to call the, uh, the authorities on the parents. And so that's how bad it was. And she was telling that story. She says, this camp is changing young people's lives. She says, I believe in the work of Sunset Lake Camp. And she pulled out her check that she had earned for that whole summer so she could go to school. And she says, I'm giving this check I'm donating this, donating this check to Sunset Lake, and she walked out the door. Dave Yeagley, is he still the youth pastor? I'm sure he'll remember the story. But anyway, he jumps up, his eyes are wide open. This is the last kid that needs to be do donating this check. She came to camp. She didn't have enough clothes. She had flip-flops for only a... Uh, footwear, and one of those flip-flops was broken. They had to take her to Goodwill to get her some clothes, to get her some decent shoes to wear for the summer. She says, if anybody needs that money, that's that 17-year-old girl. And all the pastors, they dug into their billfolds. They pulled out whatever they had. They threw it in the pot. That girl got more money from the pastors than she did from earning her check that summer Amen. the bible says you can't outgive god pressed down shaken together and running over god wants us to prove him god wants us to have faith in him god we need to be filled with the spirit of god Amen. i want to be like those amish people i want to be like that 17 year old girl the bible says he wants to pour out his spirit upon us and in the greek poured out it has the meaning of a like a waterfall. He wants to pour out his spirit like a waterfall. His agape love on you and me. My friends, stop and think about Niagara Falls. Do you realize that 600,000 gallons of water goes over Niagara Fall, Falls every year? Actually, it's every week. No, actually, it's every day. Actually, it's every hour. No, it's every second. 600,000 gall gallons of water goes over the falls. My friends, I want to be have that spirit poured out on me today, and I hear the sound of wind. I see the clouds forming. Today, I see the showers of the latter rain. God's agape love in me and you. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I pray that we'd have open minds, open hearts. I want this house, I want this temple to be filled with the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13, it says the house of the Lord, the temple, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Today, I want those showers and I just pray, my friends, that we have that commitment 
And I pray, do you have that commitment tonight? Will you ask God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day? Will you start praying with your brothers? Will you start praying with your wives and kids? Dear Lord, give us your spirit. Let self die and may it just be you that appear in my life. That's what I want in my life. That's what you want in yours, don't you? Then let's bow our heads for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We can't thank you enough. I just wish that somehow, and I guess persecution will get the dross out of our life so that we'll be pure gold. In fact, I hear that you can get gold so refined that it shines like a mirror and you can see your reflection in it. God, we want to see your reflection in us and we want it to shine, shine, shine to everyone we meet. No longer Keith Noel, no longer any of us. May it just be Christ. May the world see like they saw in the early disciples, those uneducated, rough people that cursed and everything, doubted, didn't have enough faith, arguing all the time. Sons of thunder, John and James. God, the Pharisees saw it, that they noted that he had been, that they had been with Jesus. May people be able to see that in all of us tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and have a good evening.